Nurses and Hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. On this episode of the Nurses and Hypochondriacs podcast, I'm joined by my very special guest, Lori Brown from Lori Brown Law, and we're going to be talking about various healthcare court cases that have been trending in the media. We're going to be talking about the Netflix documentary, Take Care of Maya, the serial podcast, The Retrievals, and also the Wonderly podcast, Exposed. We're also going to be talking about nurses who have been getting sued for calling themselves doctor and nursing ratios, which is such a hot topic. You won't want to miss this episode of the Nurses and Hypochondriacs. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode was brought to you by Rogue Nurse Media, 501c3, and the well-written nurse, empowering nurses and patients to tell their stories. Welcome to the Nurses and Hypochondriacs podcast, Lori Brown. Hey, thank you. So happy to have you, Lori. Very happy to be here. So tell us about yourself. I mean, you do so many phenomenal things. I was so honored to have you in my storytelling class, and it was such a beautiful day. We were kind of recapping that um, almost about a year ago. Uh, and um, I taught you at the beautiful Ritz-Carlton in uh, Rancho Mirage, California here, up atop the desert. Such a beautiful view, such a neat class. So, um, and you're a very published author too. I was just like, I this is amazing. You know, you have published like four books, correct? And you're going on your fifth, right? Oh, six. Six. That's awesome. <laughs> you are just a book one machine. in there since uh since you and I met. That is so awesome. So tell us about that and um, your business and well, yourself. All, thank you. <laughs> first of all, I would like to uh, highly recommend uh, Ursilia's writing class. It, it was wonderful. It was really good. Um, you know, like she said, I had already at that point written four books and her class just kind of gave me another perspective. And that's what you will see in my next, my upcoming book called Code New, the journey of the journey from clocking in to cashing in as a nurse business owner, which will be out like very shortly. Like we are finishing it this week. Uh, so anyways, yeah, I'm a registered nurse as well as an attorney. And there are like three components to my practice. The first component is I have a law practice. I do professional licensing defense. I've represented over a thousand nurses in 27 different states. And then um, the next part is we do legal nurse consulting. And then the third part is I mentor nurses on how to start a business and grow a business because when I started, I had such a hard time. And I thought, well, if I could prevent somebody from years of waste like like I had, <laughs> I'd love to do that. Yeah, it's pretty tough. Let's talk a little bit about your book because I think it's so interesting. And um, from the storytelling class uh, that we did together, you talked about like being a floor nurse and how it just wasn't for you. You felt very stuck 
And then you sought this other avenue and this other path. Like, tell us a little bit about that. I, I thought that was such an interesting story because so many nurses are like, is this it? You know, and I was in that position too, as a nurse practitioner, I, I had taught at four universities. Um, I, I was working at Children's Hospital. I had achieved all these goals very early on in my career, um, everything that I had wanted to do. And I was like, okay. And I was at feeling achieved, like my soul needed something, you know, and it was lacking um, this creative force, which I am a, a very creative person. So I needed to feed that. Um, but people thought that was very odd. You know, they, they thought I was weird. They thought it was, you know, whatever. But let, let's talk about your experience with that. Well, let me say I did love uh, floor nursing, and I still miss it. Uh, but what happened to me is like, two weeks into my first job, I was so excited. I finally got my, my cap and my, my pin. And I was actually working as a registered nurse. Um, I worked in uh, Santa Monica uh, and um, the I chose that hospital because the, the picture of the hospital was in the trailer of the Marcus Welby MD movie, uh, the TV show. Sorry. Uh -huh. And so those of you who don't know that, show Dr. Welby was the sweetest kindest doctor and he would go to patients houses and help them feel better and he took care of his family practice did everything and I thought well if there's doctors like that this will be great mm -hmm. and then he had the cutest associate Dr. Kylie and I'm thinking oh if they had doctors like that even better so I started working there and very on early on in my career um, I, there was a code and it, thank God it wasn't my patient because I was terrified. Uh, so I was watching my patients as well as the nurses in the code. And one of the nurses came out and said, Lori, can you call central supply to get Gomco suction? So back in the day, suction didn't come out of the wall. Like it does now we had right. to get these big, heavy carts that, that, um, would were on wheels to, for the suction. And so I, um, called central supply. I remember standing with the corded phone next to the linen cart in the hall. You remember those? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm talking to central supply and I said, you know, we have a patient coding. Can you please bring up some Gonco suction? You know what they told me? They said, no, we don't deliver. And I'm thinking, what? You're, this man's coding and you're not bringing me life-saving equipment? I don't understand. So here I'm advocating for the patient and asking her to please bring it up. And she's like, we don't deliver. She was stuck in that we don't deliver. Wow. So I don't know what happened, but the next day I get called into my uh, unit manager's office and you know how you do the walk of shame. I'm like, what's wrong? Uh, so I'm sitting down and she says, Lori, I have to tell you something. And I'm like, what? And she says, the, I have to write you up for the way you spoke to the person from oh Central Supply. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. You know, you, you want the highest paid at that time professional to run down a Central Supply, leave all her patients and the other patients to get this equipment. And I was just like floored. And she didn't give me any resources on how to improve or how to improve communication. Apparently I was the only one in the hospital that knew, didn't know that central supply didn't deliver, but even so, you know, it, it was crazy. So um, I decided I'm going to be a unit manager. I'm going to take care of my nurses. I am going to support them. And it's kind of that the same 
theme of my life is supporting nurses. Cause right now in my law practice, I feel like I'm a nurse for nurses. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I thought, okay, well I will become a manager. So I went to um, grad school got a double master's clinical nurse specialist in med surge and nursing administration, um, became a unit manager, had a great staff, uh, was very supportive and participative, um, especially, you know, back then when it was kind of um, unusual for a unit manager to, to be so all-inclusive. I, I let them pick their schedules and things like that. You know, they had to work every other weekend, but I let them choose. I gave them a lot of as much freedom and autonomy as I could. Um, and then um, I went through a divorce and I'm like, hmm, I, I, I've thought about going back to for a, a, a PhD. I'm like, what's it gonna get me? I don't necessarily wanna teach. Of course, that's what I do now. Um, like we're always teachers as nurses. Right. Anyways. Right. And, and so I, um, I went to law school and it was the, I never had planned on it, but it was the best thing I've ever done. I think that's awesome. That's such an, it just happened like very intuitively for you, right? You were just following your heart. The yellow brick road. <laughs> yeah. Just like, just like your book. So let's talk a little bit about your book because I think it's very interesting. Uh, the introduction that you were telling me, can you go ahead and share that again with sure. us? So so the um, the nurse code book is based or code code new sorry code new is instead of code blue you're resuscitating yourself into your new as a business owner, and it's just like the story of Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz because um, nurse business ownership you're you're thrown into this strange land that you don't understand. We know the hospital, but we don't know business. Um, in in the hospital, patients come with our room or whatever job we have. We have a certain task and we get a paycheck. And this now we are on the um, as business owners, we get to create our own economy, our own paycheck, our right. own freedom, and our own time. And it's just like Dorothy waking up in a strange land. That's what business ownership is like. And Dorothy's journey is the same as business ownership. You're going to meet your your uh, allies, you know, the scarecrow, the tin man, and the cowardly lion. Um, you're going to meet your magical mentor, Glenda the Good Witch, and you're going to have um, foes, the monkeys. And um, right. business ownership is all about moving forward. So you don't want to fall asleep in the in the poppies. And then when you get to your Oz, you realize you had the power in you all along. And so Love it. thank you. And it's just such a, a story because business ownership is a hero's journey when, and there is no Oz, by the way, even though we think there's, there's right. Or, or you go behind the curtain yeah. and then you actually see how things really work. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I love that. You know, it's because people have such a, a very weird concept of what a nurse does and what a nurse is. They're always kind of like the Barbie movie. I don't know if you saw the Barbie movie. They always want to put the nurse back in the box, back in the hospital. Okay. Oh, you're a nurse. You work in a hospital. Like I went on a date the other night and the guy was like, are you going to talk about me on your podcast? Well, yes, I am. Because this is how my podcast started as a storytelling show, as a one person show. This is my whole uh, journey. Uh, talking about uh, the men that I was dating because they were trying to relate to me through their, you know, uh, hypochondriaosis. I can't even say that word. 
uh, or like either their medical issues or lack of thereof. So yes, I will talk about him. So I went on this date and on, you know, I met him on Bumble and on Bumble, he was like, um, do you work at a hospital? You know, I told him I'm a pediatrician. I don't have on my profile that I'm a nurse. I have that I'm a writer and a podcaster. So he was like, do you work at a hospital? When I told him I was a pediatric nurse practitioner and I was like, no, I have my own business. Like I'm an independent contractor and I cover for physicians, you know, when they need me. So they, it's mostly word of mouth, you know, and, and then I have my practice here in Palm Springs and um, he just thought that was bizarre. You know, and when I went on the date, he thought the fact that I had a podcast, I was a writer and I was a nurse. He was like, so why don't you just um, go to work at a hospital, work your shift and then go home and watch TV like everybody else says? Why are you doing different things? That's bizarre, right? I go, because mm -hmm. I'm not a robot and I'm no longer in the Matrix. I've already done that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> like I figured it out, you know, like Dorothy, I went, I already did. I went through all of that. I figured it out. I exited the matrix and now I'm my own business owner, you know, yeah, you call so, it the rogue, the rogue nurse, <laughs> huh? The rogue I'm nurse, the, the, the rogue nurse. That's right. I have my, uh, rogue nurse media, which that's still wearing reconstruction of the whole nurse media site. So yeah. I am the rogue nurse, you know, yeah. I woke up through that whole journey yeah. and exited. Um, but, you know, it is what you make of it. But that's what the general public sees, uh, sees of us. And and as a, a nurse practitioner, you know, people are like, oh, you're not really a doctor. You know, you're uh, just, you know, you know uh, I want to see a doctor. Well, I think that that whole profession, and you could tell me this too, and maybe this is something, another book, number seven for you about <laughs> branding, you know, and, and how I feel the whole nurse practitioner profession has been misbranded, unfortunately, you yeah. know, uh, I mean, because Loretta Ford, Huh? Go ahead. Why, why would you let people call you mid-level provider? Exactly. That's exactly. Oh, I don't. So yeah. Dirty. Yeah. Um, that is totally awful. And Loretta Ford created, you know, the nurse practitioner role and people praise her like a goddess, which I really started to look at her within the last year and how we're being treated now. I was like, who in the world would create a profession that you're doing more than a doctor because we're educators. You know, I really sit and try to educate my patients as much as possible on diet, nutrition, uh, psychosocial stuff, mental health, you know, and I know a lot, lot more stuff than a lot of my uh, physicians that I cover, you know, like I'm in the mix with all the teen stuff going on and, and stuff. So I feel that I'm a better resource, right? But here's a red afford creating this profession where we're getting paid less than a doctor. We're doing more, but we're getting paid a Walmart price. You know, it right. doesn't make any sense to us. I mean, she right. created this profession. I started to really look at this and how people create roles. She created this profession for herself, you know, because if you really look, she started uh, teaching, I think at Colorado University or something, I don't know, I, I could be wrong, 
but she started also a program teaching there. So she, in reality, really created this profession for herself so she could create a program, teach. She really wasn't looking long term on how this would affect us. Because look at what's happening with the DNP now, you know, yeah. right? So so now nurses are <laughs> now nurses are getting their DNP doctorate of nursing practice and they're getting sued for calling themselves doctor. What the hell? You know, it's like <laughs> only in California. <laughs> only in California, but Florida too. Florida too. Oh. I think there was a case as well. So can yeah. we kind of talk a little bit about that? Um, and I know there's about three nurses who are countersuing now they have their DNP and they are countersuing the um, state of California. I'm going to try to get them on to the show. That would be an interesting uh, discussion, but can you go ahead and talk to that a little bit? So apparently um, one nurse practitioner was calling herself Dr. Sarah and they, um, the city sued her and she got a, like a $20,000 fine as a result. Wow. Yeah, crazy. And I think the nursing board's now taking action. I'm, I'm not sure, but her and two others uh, are suing the state of California for not allowing, it's discriminatory. That's the bottom line is that when, um, just because, you know, the majority of nurses are females and if they have a DNP that they can't call themselves doctors and you earned every bit of that title. Right. And we have PhDs, we have optometrists that call themselves doctor. I mean, because I think it's saying you're not a medical doctor and in California, only medical doctors can call themselves doctors. But then we have chiropractics, you know, um, we have doctor, uh, a doctor of osteopathic medicine, you know, um, yeah. so many wide range and stuff which is so weird and there's there's even this guy on youtube who calls himself the prison doctor okay he has no md okay <laughs> no nothing he goes around and yells at kids like people call him it's just bizarre i'm writing personally i'm so like like I, I'm like, that's wrong. You know, he shouldn't be yelling at kids or calling himself a doctor or wearing scrubs because he has n nothing behind him to support that. I'm he's out of Tennessee. So I'm writing the board of medicine in Tennessee and the AMA about that, you know, because uh, it's just ridiculous. I was like, no, number one, no one should be yelling at kids, but he has a huge following and people think he's right. And I was like, you don't understand. <laughs> he he yeah. doesn't he shouldn't go around. I, I, what is he a doctor of just because you serve prison time does not make you a doctor of anything, you know, it's, it's weird, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I also feel that the universities are partly responsible, you know, and they really should support if they're offering these courses, you know, offering this degree in, in DNP, mm -hmm. They need to also support it with the state. I, I mean, you can't just offer a course. Okay, who cares? You know. I mean, yeah. what do you think about that with the responsibility? And because then anybody can offer a degree and you know, a piece of paper, and uh, you can call yourself whatever. Yeah, I think just the laws are antiquated. I think it's I think it's wrong, especially in California. Um, and uh, 
like the fact that a nurse practitioner can't be an independent contractor. That's another crazy law. Why not? Right. So it, there's a lot of um, interesting laws here. Right. Having your own business and, and yeah. like opening up shop without a, a medical director uh, and stuff. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. But you still can't be classified as an independent contractor as an NP. So um, that's, it's a problem. They want right. to get for the gig economy and they want their taxes. So they want, it's true. Employees. It's so true. Yeah. yeah. They want to keep you in the matrix. That's <laughs> what it is. Yes. So, okay. I want to talk about, there's like so much stuff going on in the media with these types of healthcare cases and one in particular, and I had told you about it um, several months ago, is a documentary on Nip on Netflix called Take Care of Maya, okay, uh, which is which is an interesting case about, um, I believe she was like nine or 10 years old when she got diagnosed uh, uh, with complex regional pain syndrome, okay, um, just gonna open that up. So, uh, yeah, so you watch the documentary. It's an interesting documentary. The mom is a nurse. Uh, the dad was a retired fire chief. They live in Florida. This kid starts getting these bizarre symptoms, uh, which are neurological in nature. I'm gonna kind of read on what complex regional pain syndrome is. It's CRPS, uh, let me see. It's type one and type two is a form of amplified musculoskeletal pain syndrome, AMPS, in which pain from a physical trauma outlasts the expected recovery time. The symptoms and causes of type one and two are the same, except type two is caused by a nerve injury and is typically much more painful. Okay. So it, it manifests as it just weird with this little girl she couldn't walk she had excruciating pain um and and i believe she started getting like sores on her body swelling um and, and it says it's a very uncommon cause and they really don't know where it comes from um and, it, and it's usually inflammation and alteration of pain perception in the central nervous system are proposed to play important roles Okay. So one of the things in the story, which I found so interesting is they were undergoing ketamine treatments because um, ketamine is one of the treatments, but what it only does is it treats the pain really. And, and it, it causes a dissociative, um, it causes the patient to dissociate away from the pain. So they don't feel the pain, Right. But the pain is still always going to be there. It's you're never getting to the root cause, which I thought was very interesting. So the documentary, in my opinion, had a lot of holes in it. <laughs> I don't know if you felt the same way, but I felt there was a lot that they weren't telling us in the documentary. And um, as a legal nurse consultant myself, and as a storyteller and uh, my internal AI, I was like, there's just something's not right here um because like the mom was a nurse so she just became very obsessive figured out the cure was to give her ketamine so they were going to this physician who was giving her ketamine right so 
I guess she had really bad pain. They went ahead and admitted her into um, a children's hospital in Florida. And, um, and then because she was so adamant on giving her the ketamine and, and she was actually administering the ketamine herself, right? The mom was the nurse. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what they kind of figured out that she was at times administering the ketamine herself. Like she became an infusion nurse, like she was a cardiac Mm -hmm. nurse, um, and became an infusion nurse, which was, which I thought was very interesting. And so she was administering at times the ketamine when she had it. So I guess she didn't have any more and couldn't get to the physician and, uh, who was administering the ketamine. So they took her into the ER cause she was having excruciating pain. And, um, because she was so adamant that she needed the ketamine, they thought it was weird. So they called in the um, child abuse doctor who this child abuse, this is a, it, it, this, the story goes in a hundred different directions because from this child abuse doctor, I guess she was just taking away these kids or, you know, many, many different cases. She was notorious for, for just um, not really looking into what was going on in the families. She was just, you know, kind of like an off with her head type of, of situation and, and, and just taking away these kids from their parents. And so there's other podcasts about this one doctor specifically, you know, which I have not listened to because I was just like, wow, this gets very weedy. But um, what do you think about this case? I mean, I, I thought it was really interesting, but like I said, I thought there were a lot of holes in it. Like it did like, we don't even know who she saw as for physicians. Like, did she see a neurologist? We just see that she saw an infectious disease doctor and she was getting IVIG at one point and that was not helping her because they didn't know what this was, you know, was it autoimmune? Was it? Well, they, they blamed the mom. They, they, right. said they were blaming the mom. syndrome by proxy that, you know, she was dragging her from doctor to doctor and she wasn't really sick. And they actually took her, um, uh, sent her to DCS, um, the child division of child services to, um, and, uh, took away, uh, her parental custody for 90 days. And during that time, her mom just became, um, the nurse just became, just was giving up because she was, like such a stand for her daughter and trying to make sure that that everything was done properly and she had the right care um, that the nurse took her own life and it was really really sad. Yeah, the mom um, she committed suicide. She yeah. suicided herself, unfortunately. But one of the things that I thought was interesting, like the DCS office, like there was a, a sheriff that went to the home and was talking to the dad. And the dad goes, yeah, she could be difficult. Why are you throwing your wife under the bus? It was bizarre. I was like, there's something else going on here that, um, you know, here's the thing. Here's my analogy. And and it could be a lot, very woo woo and out there, but I'm just going to say it. Um, So what we know about the mom, uh, she, she was uh, from Poland war-torn Poland, right? So they kind of talked about that in the show. Like she came from a very traumatic background, right? 
And like her, I, I think her parents were um, in concentration camps uh, and stuff, which I have the belief that this stuff, and there are studies that show this really affects your DNA, you know, and gets in your DNA, gets in your nervous system. And, um, you know, there are certain scientists that are looking to this that say, yes, you can transfer that onto your children, just like you can transfer alcoholism. You know, if your dad's an alcoholic, you have a higher chance. Is it because of the environment you're in or is it really because it's embedded in your DNA? So with that, yeah. And who knows what was going on in the home? Cause the dad, like he took an early retirement, right. To be with his kids, which I thought was interesting. I was like, okay, well, why is he doing that? You know, is it really because something is going on with the mom, you know? Um, and, uh, and now he's taking this early retirement and how, you know, kids pick up stuff, um, like sponges, and it must have just blown out this kid's nervous system. Like she already has this in her DNA. Um, also around that time, I did some research and about 2014, 2016, when this kid got infected, there were cases in California and other states where children were coming down with, with these viral illnesses that were making them paralyzed. And um, it, yeah, and I remember that and I went back and I looked and I, there are several articles, um, like mostly in Northern California, and they couldn't correlate why this was happening. And I, I think these kids um, had just paralysis for a short time, and then uh, they treated them and they got better. I don't know, but that's also something to look at. Like, was there something going on in the air? You know, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I but, mean, uh, so many different cases, but go ahead. There's a lawsuit pending right now, and they're actually in trial as we speak. It's day 13 of their trial. So they have a $22 million lawsuit against um, the hospital. And the hospital is defending, like, we have an affirmative duty to report if there's any suspicion. So you can't blame us. But, wow. um, they're, but the, they're saying your reporting was inaccurate. And wow. you should never, you know, when you're going to give up a child's rights or um, parental rights like this, you can't take it lightly. Yeah, but they had sequestered her for like 90 days in the hospital. It was terrible, you know, and um, they had like a social worker that was uh, talking to her, uh, the kid, you know, it, it just kind of was, it was weird. It, it felt like the patient didn't have a good support didn't have an advocate with her that was a positive advocate that was non um how can i say this like what was like not on either side that was just for the kid like mm-hmm. what's going on with you litem or a casa representative yeah yeah so um it is an interesting case it's interesting that they're they're fighting it now um she's doing better cuz i think that they finally got uh, better treatment for her, which I don't think was the ketamine. Um, I do know someone, an anesthesiologist that was also treating a patient with this disease process. 
Um, and she was hired by, I think it was a very wealthy family and she was hired just to be their private physician and figure out what was going on with this kid. Now she also does shamanistic work as a part of, you know, apart from her being an anesthesiologist. So she had put this kid on ketamine. So she was doing some major soul work as well, which is very, very interesting. I've had her on the show talking about ketamine and um, you can't just give someone ketamine and be like, okay, bye, you know, go home now. You know, it is a very intense, like inner soul process. So she was just working on this, like untangling just a lot of um, deep stuff. And she said she had carte blanche on any medication in the entire world that she could use like this, the dad of this patient was able to get whatever she wanted, you know, and in experimental treatments and they were on it. So it was very interesting. I hope she writes a book about it one day uh, because it is a fascinating um, case. But yeah, like I said, I feel that there's something way more intense going on with it. Unfortunately, the mom, you know, had to decide to take her own life because of it. Um, but yeah, super interesting. So there's also other crazy cases going on. <laughs> First of all, we know about the whole Redondavat case that happened um, a couple of years ago where the nurse mistakenly gave a patient um, a medication and the patient ended up expiring, unfortunately, and it was an error. Uh, and that was a, a whole crazy case that went on, which was a very short case. You know, it, it only lasted uh, like three days. Right. And it was like cut and dry. And then um, I mean, she didn't go to prison. She did lose her uh, nursing license for a bit, but then she can get it reinstated. Right. I think, I think um, if she, um, goes three years on probation and does fine. Everything will go away. Right. Right. So um, I think she was on a podcast recently. I didn't listen to it, but talking about um, patient safety and stuff, which was interesting. Um, so that's one case. The other two cases are very interesting. I don't know if you listen to the retrievals podcast. I did. I love oh, that. my God. Is that not a crazy case? I mean, that's super crazy. So um, that case is with uh the nurse. Okay. So that takes place, um, at Yale university where these patients since about 2017, this was going on, were going to get IVF treatments and, um, they were getting fentanyl and my um, and at this place, they didn't have an anesthesiologist or a nurse anesthetist administering medications. So they didn't give them, um, propofol. Okay. So it was just my dazolam and, um, fentanyl. So this nurse, Donna, she was stealing the fentanyl. And in the beginning, I, and this wasn't until one of the later, later podcasts that we find this out, which I, I feel that the serial people did an excellent job with storytelling on this podcast. It is so good. Um, you know, it is addicting and, and they had you wait like about a week or two for the episodes. If you were yeah. listening early on, they're all out there now, but it's an excellent podcast. Very well done. So in 2017, <laughs> when they were doing these IVF treatments, this 
doctor who was in charge of doing these IVF treatments was writing a prescription and Donna was filling the fentanyl prescriptions, right? So they say it was over a hundred patients that she was stealing this fentanyl from, right? And um, they deemed her, I mean, the judge, I was listening to the judge and the judge was in her seventies and she didn't know how to, how to proceed on this case because they painted Donna as the victim now, like Donna, um, allegedly had this drug problem. She had three kids. She was in an abusive marriage. Oh, poor Donna. Meanwhile, all these other patients were like left in excruciating pain. Right. right. So I think, and then we hear that Donna, you know, tried IVF herself and became a nurse late on in life. I'm like, Donna's a psychopath. I, I mean, come on. It's like, if you're taking fentanyl, all this time, you'd be a mess. I, I don't think she was really taking it. I, I mean, or sell, I don't know. It's just like, that's a crazy case. So she only got three weekends of prison time. The board didn't take away her license. The board was deliberating, didn't know what to do, you know, didn't even take away her license. Yeah, like she, I'm shocked. Yeah. And, and Donna in January turned in her license you know, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, they, you know, I, I think that, um, the board needs to be rehabilitative rather than punitive, but, um, you know, she withheld medication from 200 patients who yeah. were undergoing egg retrieval and had to be in unbear unbearable pain. So, I mean, if you're going to, I mean, look at the Charles Cullen <laughs> from oh yeah, he, from the Netflix The Good Nurse. He he was um, killing patients and he went to prison. Um, so I think that yeah, Charles Graber was on. I had him on in 2019 uh, talking about the book. So yeah, it's intense, right? Yeah. He went to prison, sure. Um, but I think because people died in this case, when I'm seeing nobody died. Like, um, and then which brings me to the other case of Columbia University, um, which is the Wonderly podcast um, of uh, the ex it's called Exposed. And it's the Dr. Robert Haddon, the OBGYN who at Columbia University, who is licking his patients vaginas. I mean, I, that one's a. I don't recommend that podcast. It's not very well done. I mean, it's kind of all over the place. And it's until actually the fourth or fifth episode that we really learn the whole story. In the beginning, it has a lot of the patients just complaining. That's my point of view. Um, and I just was like, okay, you're making these people all be victims, you know, and it just doesn't sound like a good story yeah. um, where so then we hear about this doctor again, he was abused and it's always the same story with these types of people who are just psychopaths. They don't have a soul anymore, you know, but here's the thing. Um, and, and his medical assistants knew they all knew everybody know in these situations, people know, and they just don't give it up. They just keep going. It's just so crazy to me. And, yeah, and like for Yale, why, if nurse, if people are complaining that they're, that they're not being adequately sedated, if you have like more than one, two, three, why aren't you looking into this? Yeah. And in the same thing with Columbia, people for years were complaining about this. You know, the medical assistants knew they saw him, they go, Oh, I saw when it happened and he looked like a different person. It's like he was shifting Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. So my thing is with these three cases, the, the um, Vanderbilt, the one, the Redondavat, 
the IVF case and also um, the OBGYN case. Okay, huge hospitals. We got Vanderbilt, we got Yale. We also have Columbia University in all three of these cases, like in two of them, Columbia, the Columbia case, the DA was up for reelection. The other case as well, uh, um, the Vanderbilt, the same thing, the DA was up for reelection, right? So what they're all trying to do here is they're trying to protect these big, huge university hospitals. You know, they're, it's, they're protecting their brand, uh, really. And so, which is crazy, because even in the Columbia University case, they were threatening the um, the victims, and they were saying, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about your whole life story. Everything about you is going to come out. So they're threatening them so they don't come to testify. And one of the victims, her husband was actually running for president uh, at the time, running for election, uh, which was interesting. And she came out and told her story. But uh, it, it was pretty crazy. I mean, what do you think about that? It's like we're living in this weird corporation society where these people care more about their branding and their names than of people, you know? Yeah. I mean, just look at the amount of money that these CEOs are making and they're, and the nurses are completely underpaid. They don't have enough nurses and all they care about is the bottom line. And then, you know, when nurses say, well, we want, we want to raise, uh, we want more staff. They're like, we don't have the money. I'm like, okay, look outside, look at all the construction going on. Every hospital is like that. They all have some construction going on because they're putting their money back in so they don't have to get taxed. But why don't you put your money where it counts with the people wouldn't be in the hospital, but for nursing care. Right. Right. I totally agree on that. And, um, yeah. I, I mean, it's just so crazy and stuff. So here's my thing for nurses going in and you could give your, um, your, uh, advice as well. I always say, understand where you're going into. These people are not going to protect you. You got to protect yourself, right? Know right. thyself, protect yourself, you know, and understand and, 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 don't get too comfortable at a place because I hear it all the time with these new grads. Like I learned early on and that's why I always did registry and I always worked for, you know, did my own thing uh, to where it's just like, these people don't care about me, you know, where all these other people think that they're like, Oh, I gave them so much of my time and energy and my years at this institution. All I got was a watch. I mean, what is your advice to that? Yeah. And in fact, Kaiser actually gave nurses a gratitude rock, like a rock for, for nurses week. It's like, seriously, what an insult. I mean, just what an absolute insult. And I know when I was uh, uh, practicing, um, we would get like a turkey or a ham or, or something and I'm Jewish and they're giving me ham, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. So, um, there, but again, nurses need to feel valued and appreciated all year long, not just nurses week. And they, unfortunately, that is just not the case. And they are very quick to um, fire a nurse uh, for any reason because it, if they um, if they're if it affects their HCAP scores, which is the patient satisfaction scores, or um, you know for anything they they're they will throw you under the bus look what happened to yep. Redonda Vought they threw her under the bus um and yeah they'll they keep doing that so um 
you know, it's up to you. Do you want to be in the matrix or out of the matrix? Right, right. And I think we've come full full circle here. My favorite, (laughs) my favorite storytelling technique, right? Told you that full circle, you know, uh, with this whole podcast. I I love how intuitive that was. But yeah, you have to, bottom line, you have to appreciate yourself. You know, you got to care about yourself. You got to, if you're feeling too stressed, this job isn't working out for you. It's not what you wanted. Take a break. You know, it is okay to take a break. My favorite saying is you can always get another job. You can't get another license. I love that. If you are in a place where you are not happy, um, you know, part of you feels like, oh, I want to be loyal to the patients and I'm already settled here and I know everybody. It's a comfort zone, but growth is outside your comfort zone. So you never know. That's also an ego construct too. You know, yeah. that's your ego. Is that really what your heart is saying? Is that really what your soul is feeling? You know, or is that what you've been programmed to feel? You know, do you really feel like that? Like, oh, I have to, but at what cost? If, if it's really, you know, um, killing you inside, it's, it's not worth it. So I had two clients um, for who were before the board. Um, one um, said I worked at a hospital and I went to B and it's so much better. I wish I would have known that sooner. I would have left a long time ago. Second nurse, I worked at B hospital, left and went to a hospital said, oh, it's so much better here. Um, I wish I would have known that I would have left a long time ago. So it, it ever, there is a place for everybody out there. There is a right fit environment. And if you're not in it, life is too short. You don't want to be somebody else's, um, um, uh, you know, pawn in their, in their game, be a place where you feel like you can make a difference and feel, um, inspired and, um, excited to go to work every morning. Cause that's exactly life. Life is just too short and you only have one life. We see it every day with, um, you know, uh, patients dying and, this is your life. You get to choose what you want to do with it. Where is your Oz? Where do you want to be love that. in your career? That's I it. love that. So great. Thank, Thank you so much, Lori. Tell us where people can find you. Sure. I'm going to link um, all your links to the show notes. Great. So um, your nurse, your nurse attorney.com is my law practice, your nurse attorney.com. And if you click on what happens if I get called before the board, any of my freebie stuff, you will get on my newsletter list. And um, I send you tips, trips, tricks, and strategies to protect your license and empower you as a nurse um, every Friday. And then once a month I do, um, I send out a, a blog on growing a business. So if you decide um, growing a business is for you, that's empowerednurses.org, empowered past tense nurses.org. Um, and freebies on there are like 101 ways to become a nurse business owner, or 50 ways to be to get in the door of potential attorney clients, or even my nurses legal business checklist. So uh, all of those are, are free on my website and uh, come visit. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Lori. Until next time, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to our Nurses and Hypochondriacs podcast. We love your support and we love our listeners. If you have some spare change, go ahead and throw some to us on our Venmo at Nurses and Hypochon. Also, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love that. And if you'd like to be a guest, go ahead and send us an email at nursesandhypochondriacs at gmail.com. <laughs>